Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. Everything we have and we need is in Him today. Everything we have need of is in Him today. All power is in that name. So today I invite you, if you haven't already, just to release those chains to Him. Let Him break them. Let Him get rid of them. Let Him get them out of your life once and for all. Because He's the only one who can. You can try and try to do it on your own or try to do it in other ways and through other people. But Jesus is the only answer. And all power is in that name this morning. So I invite you, just give it all to him today. He's all you need. Father, thank you for this time you've given us. Thank you for the powerful name of Jesus, Lord, that heals us and provides for us and delivers us and gives us everything we need, Lord, just to make it through each day. We lean on you today, dear God, and ask that as we continue, Lord, in this service, you would speak to our hearts through your word. You would draw people to you and you would change lives. As only you can. We worship you and praise you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, uh, I, I, don't, I don't do stuff like this often because they, they'll tell you I'm a, I'm a planner. I like to plan things. Uh, will you just bring your microphone, come over here just a minute? Y'all pray. We're, we're trying to get Donna to come out of her shell. Hey, uh, I, I, just want, I just want to share from my heart a minute. Man, I, I came in, I came in uh, during their rehearsal, and I heard that I hear the chains falling, and, and I just couldn't let that out of my heart. And, and someone asked you a question. What, what are those, what are we... What do we call those chains? What do you, what's their name? Is it sickness? What else? Call them out. I'm, we're, we're, we're all family. Huh? Addiction. Okay, yeah, wow. Okay, what else? Pride. Oh, that's who said that? That's a big one. Not, not, I'm not saying for you. I'm just saying. What else? What else? Finances. Oh, that's huge, right? Right, what else? Pre- depression. Relationships, health, could we go on and on and on and on and on and on and on? Aren't you glad that this morning, now, now listen, I believe that God's powerful enough to break those chains in your car, in your home, wherever you are, that the Spirit of God is omnipresent and He can be where you are. Right? But would you agree with me if I told you that there's something powerful about gathering with people that, that, that know how to call on God, who know how to worship, that there's a, a unique presence of the Lord that is available when we gather together as a, as a body of Christ? Would you agree with that? And that we are more apt to lay those chains and let Christ break those chains in an atmosphere 
where there's other people dealing with relationships and finances and sickness and depression and, all, and addiction and all that other stuff. Would you agree that we're more apt to let God do work in us in that environment than we're riding down the road? Yes or no? I'm going somewhere. How many of you know somebody personally and you know that they got all kinds of chains right now, today, right now? Put, put your hands up. Leave them up. Leave them up. You know somebody got, got chains up. Okay. Leave, leave your hands up if they're in driving distance of this building. Why are they not here? Are you, are you with me? I, I want you to hear me. Last year, we taught our, our whole church the importance of community in 40 days and six weeks. This year, we're going to teach our whole church from our little bitty munchkins to the oldest of the old the importance of prayer. And I want you to hear me and hear my heart. The devil's never made a change strong enough that the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit can't break. And we're going to talk about that for six weeks. And I, here's what I am begging you to do. You get those people here. You, you get up 45 minutes early, go knock on their door, put your britches on, we're going to church. Well, that, well that's kind of radical. Well, hell is radical. Come on now, we, we, we're too late in the game to play. I, I'm just going to, I'm asking you to join with me. And, and, and the reason I had Donna stay up here is because I, 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 I want her to share her heart with you for like 60 seconds. Because the worship atmosphere in our church has, has shifted. T tell me what that looks like to you. This, what's happened in, in our worship in the last few months, weeks? I see freedom. Man, I'll tell you, you know, I, I, when I share with our praise team, and they'll tell you, I've always said this, we can't depend on how you guys react to what we do. Because there are some Sundays when we may sing, and you guys are like a bunch of lumps on a log. Um, that's just... I mean, that's the truth. And I've said, we have to remember that who we sing, we're not singing for them or singing for him. We have an audience of one. If they want to join us, man, we're inviting you to. But man, over these past few months, you guys are going all in. Most of you are. And I think you're seeing a result of it because of doing that. Because I'm telling you, when you start off with opening your heart and your arms and your mind and your ears to Jesus... And what he wants to do inside of you, then when Dwayne gets up to give you the word, man, your heart, it's all mushy and ready to be planted in and, and ready to receive what it is he wants to speak to you. So that's what I see. Our ladies on our Thursday night prayers, we've been praying for revival for a year and a half now. And man, we're seeing glimpses of it. It's not full fruition yet because there's more to come, I promise you. But it's coming. But it's going to take us as a body of believers to give Jesus all we've got so that he can give us all he's got. We've got to be ready to receive. We've got to be ready to listen to God and do what he says and not be afraid of it. We've got to be ready to step out when he asks us to step out. We've got to be ready to, to worship him with everything in us when maybe we've got a million other things going on in our lives that are distracting us and trying to pull us away. We've got to be willing to say, not today, devil. My focus is on him, and I'm going to give him all I've got today. And I promise you, when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be taken care of. That's a promise. That's a promise. So, man, what I'm seeing is exciting me. 
And I hope you're excited too. And, and I'm not here to say, to look for a show or to see just because people are acting a certain way that things are going to happen. But there's an atmosphere. There is, a, there is a tangible feeling of the Holy Spirit in this place. And he's doing a work in you guys. And, it's, and let me tell you something. When he does a work in you, it becomes contagious. Yeah. And it's going to overflow into the person next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you. So, man, just keep. But I can't guarantee you what it's going to do to us. If y'all keep acting this way, we might just lose it. We might be, we might be off the stage. I've, there's a few times I told him, I'm like, if I, get, if I quit playing, y'all just keep going because I don't know where I'm going. But I, sometimes I just have to get up and I have to worship the Lord. You just have to. I can't hold it in anymore. And that's where I want us all to be. That, man, I don't care who's around me. I don't care what's going on. I've just got to worship Jesus. Just got to worship Jesus. That's where I want us all to be. Even if every musician up here stopped playing because they had to stop and worship Jesus, we would just keep on. We just keep singing and worshiping Jesus because it's not about the music and it's not about the singers. It's about him. And that's what that's that's where we're going. Wow. Praise the Lord. I had to do that for a specific reason. I, I genuinely believe that, that, that when we meet together corporately, God speaks to us in many ways, but in, in, in really two ways. He speaks to us in worship, and he speaks to us in the word. And so what I want you to do today is I just want you to tune in. I want you to, I, I used this phrase a, a few weeks ago, and, and you misinterpreted what I was saying. I, I want you to lean in. But I, I, when I said that, everybody literally like was leaning on this chair in front of them. What, what I want you to do is I want you to turn your ear toward heaven today and hear what God might say to you. Uh, I believe that God's big enough to speak to you even through somebody as weak and frail and somebody struggles for the, the right word. I believe God can speak to you. The power of the Holy Spirit can speak to you this morning. And if you listen to him today, I, I believe he's going to speak to your heart. I believe he's going to change your season. I believe he's going to do something uh, unique. We've been in this, in this series called Words to Live By. Basically what it is, it's just been a, we've been diving into the book of Proverbs. If you're not a Bible reader, if you don't read the Bible a lot, I, I, would, t I would just challenge you to start there. Start with the book of Proverbs and there's 31 chapters. You can read a whatever day it is. Like today's the second. Read Proverbs chapter 2. And, and our, this is going to be a horrible analogy. And, and God forgive me for this. How many of you love Chinese food? Come on. I mean, like, like Chinese food. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. You're, all right. I got you. All right. How many of you don't like the fortune cookie? I don't like the fortune cookie. I, I love Chinese food, but, but the Chinese folks got to... Step it up in a little bit with dessert, because that's, you know, fortune cookie and an orange slice. That don't, that's, that, that's not good. But how many of you, even though you don't eat, eat, eat the fortune cookie, you'll open up and read what's inside? Yeah, me too. Me too. That's exactly what I'll open up and read what's inside. I got one time, I got one one time, and I wish I'd have kept it. It said, you love Chinese food. I'm like, I need, I, give me another one. If you like fortune cookies, you'll love the last part of the book of Proverbs. Because it, it's just boom, boom, boom. Just little snippets of wisdom. Just all, but see, the, the, the Proverbs are true. Fortune cookies are, you know, whatever. 
I'm telling you, just little snippets of wisdom all the way through. So I'm going to challenge you, read through the book of Proverbs. Week one, we talked about wisdom's foundation. We said that the foundation of wisdom was the fear of the Lord and that the first step toward wisdom in life is a healthy fear of God. We said that that gets us in the car. And, and you know, I didn't really intend this, this journey analogy when I started this series, but we're there now, so we're just going to ride it out, okay? Is that all right? Wisdom two, uh, week two, we said w- wisdom's road. We talked about uh, that wisdom's road was paved with trust and surrender. And we read my wife's favorite verse that week, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Wisdom, week three was wisdom's destination, the godly life. We said the pursuit of godly life ends all other pursuits. That's what we said in week three. Last week, we talked about wisdom's warning. And that paying careful attention to wisdom's warning will keep my life moving in the right direction. How many know that there's some guardrails in the scriptures? You know, we, we call them sin. And, and you know, as a, as a young believer, I thought that they were there to rob me of doing fun stuff. But how many know that they're there so God can keep us moving in the right direction? All right, so now we're, we're at week five. And today we're going to talk about wisdom's purpose. And to do that, I want to talk to you about three very separate, very different events in my life that had one common denominator. I'm going to take you to 1982. If you were here and you are born before 1982, raise your hand. You were not born before 1982, Matthew Robertson. No, oh, 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 yes, you were. If you were born after 1982, raise your hand. I'm sorry. I was like, I know. After 1982. Oh, okay. I was, all, all these old people had their hand up. I said, y'all lying. <laughs> not, not that Matthew Robertson's old, because he's not. All right, you born after 1982, raise your hand. Uh, wow, wow. Okay, so I'm, maybe I'm the old guy. Okay, so in 1982, I'm at the Fox Theater watching a movie, ACDC's Let There Be Rock. Don't judge me. I'm in, the, but I'm a new believer, and I'm in this. I didn't really understand it at the time, but there was this purple haze floating across the top of the Fox Theater, and and there was there was all these little orange glows all throughout the building. Didn't really feel comfortable. All right, you got that picture in your mind. You got that image in your head. All right, I want you to fast forward to 1988, and I am a new car sales professional at High Power Banner Ford, 1665 Scott Boulevard, Decatur. And I'm stressing because nobody buying cars. And I'm sitting in my office, and I'm just begging somebody to come in, and nobody's coming in. Now fast forward to 1996-ish. I'm in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Anybody been to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee? I was, I was there with a group of teenagers. And let me tell you something. How many of you know peer pressure does not end when you're 20? So I'm around all these teenagers, and there was this new ride that they had. It's been there a long time now, but there was a new ride there. It's called the Slingshot. All right, basically what a slingshot is, is... It's a big metal hula hoop with a seat attached to it. And fools 
sit in that seat and pay money for them to strap a bungee cord to it, pull it tight, and slingshot you into the middle of the stratosphere. So I am sitting in this hula hoop with this teenage fool that had taught me into getting on that seat with him. All right. Three completely separate events. Agreed? Nothing. All right. So you with me? ACDC concert. All right. Banner Ford not selling any cars. Pigeon Ford on the slingshot with the teenage fool. All three of those events, I asked the same question. Why am I here? Why am I here? All right, now let me ask you a question. You ever ask yourself that? Have you ever looked around at your circumstance? You ever looked around at your job, at your family, at your addiction, at your failure, at your success, at your life, and gone, why am I here? We've all done that, right? See, for most of us, a destination isn't enough. So we talked to you about wisdom's destination being to live a godly life. But for most of us, a destination isn't enough. We want to know why we're going somewhere. I mean, very few of us. Now, there's, there are times when Don and I have gotten in the car and just gone and driven and that's okay for a vacation, isn't it? And that's okay for a weekend. That's okay just to get in the car and drive when you don't really care where you wind up. But how many know we can't live our lives like that? We can't live our lives without just, with just a destination, without knowing where we're going. Why am I here? Or maybe a, a more brutal question is, why am I? Why? Let me tell you what this message isn't going to do today. I'm not going to answer your question about what you're supposed to do for a living. When we talk about purpose, you know, guys, that's usually the first thing we think of. When two men meet each other for the first time, you, you change names, you exchange names, and you exchange occupations. What do you do? So I'm not going to... I'm not going to tell you what to do for a living. I'm not going to tell you where to go to college. I'm not going to tell you who to marry. I'm not going to tell you where to live. I'm not going to tell you what ministry you should get involved in. I'm not going to tell you how many children you should have. I do believe if you'll pay attention and lean into God's word today, that we're going to answer that question, why am I here? I believe there's a purpose for you being here, not just in this room, but on this planet. So here we go. The truth behind the why. Number one, the first thing I want you to write down, the first thing I want you to know, the first thing I want you to seal into your mind is that your purpose has a heavenly origin. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the, you might want to circle this, the Lord establishes their steps. Regardless, listen, of the circumstances of your birth, you are here on purpose. I believe that with everything in me. Men and women make mistakes, but God didn't make mistakes. 
I believe every life that breathes has a purpose. Personally, I think I was a mistake. Not, not my life, but I, I don't think my brother's 10 years older than me. My sister's seven, almost eight years older than me. Here comes Dwayne. Now listen, I told my parents one time, I'm okay with that. I'm here, it's good, but nobody waits like that long and does it on purpose. I'm like, I don't care, I'm here, that's all good, that's fine. Please hear this from me. Let, let's do it this way. Everybody in the building, take a deep breath in and hold it. Now let it out. If God loaned you that breath, there's a reason. If God lent you his breath, there's a purpose for you being on this planet. God has something for you to do and somebody for you to be and become. So before we talk about purpose and destiny, please know that you're here because God wants you here. Can I just let that sink in a minute? You're here because you're supposed to be here. You're here because God's ordered your steps for such a time as this. That you're here on this planet by divine, heavenly order. You're like, well, Dwayne, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm kind of a mess. Man, are you kidding me? That's why I want you to read your Bible. All the people whose stories you know about started off as messes. Like broken, toe up from the flow up people. And if God can do that with all those guys, all those women, man, he can, he can do something remarkable. Don't let the enemy tell you that you've messed up what God has given you. You've messed up your life. You've gone too far, blah, blah, blah. That's a lie of the enemy. And you're here because you're supposed to be here. God's got something awesome for you. And it started in heaven. All right. Second thing I want you to concentrate on and think of with me today is that we find purpose in our commitment to Christ. And, and I wanted to start here. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And he'll establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. And he will establish your plans. The easiest way to get caught in the why am I here trap is to concentrate on what it is you're doing. Now, just so I know, have you ever been in a job that you wanted to get out of? i got to put my hand down because y'all think I don't want to pastor anymore. That's not the case. But, but raise your hand. Have you ever been in a job you wanted to get out of? And... When I was at Banner Ford, I told you, I, I was so stressed about meeting quotas and making my mortgage, I literally, I was breaking out in hives. Never had that happen before, never had it happen since. But I was, I, I wasn't happy, and I thought I would be because I love cars, and I love to be around new cars, and I love to purchase new, new cars, and that's a bad habit, an expensive habit. 
If you've been in a place where you don't want to be there anymore, the quickest way to get caught in that why am I here trap is to focus on your, your external circumstances. And I'm going to tell you that the first step in answering the why am I here question is to completely surrender your life to Christ. Thanks for that profound thought, Dwayne. I've heard that since I was in Sunday school. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to hear me. Some of you have been in the church a long time. Some of you not so long. I get it. And some of you have heard words like this for, for years and years and years and years. And you're going to say, Dwayne, I did that. I did that when I was a kid. I did that when I was a teenager. I did that a long time ago. I, I asked Christ to forgive me of my sins. And he did. I want you to hear me. Hear me very carefully. There's a difference between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. And what I'm talking about, the way to find purpose, the way to find why you're here, is to not just give him your sin, but to give him your life. God, wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Whatever you tell me to give, I'll give. Wherever you tell me to work, I'll work. Wherever you tell me to live, I'll live. And, and listen, I'm going to tell you there's... Four billion Christians on the planet. There's not a whole lot of people that have surrendered to that level. But you're here in this room tonight, and I'm going to give an account for what I'm getting ready to tell you. The greatest way to find your purpose in this life is to surrender everything to the person of Jesus Christ. Not just your sin. Can I tell you, that's the easy part. I, I mean, we, you know, I heard about hell when I was you know, 12, and I'm like, that's a drag. I don't want to go there. But how many know that, that God wants to do more in your life than just get you out of hell? That he's got a reason for you being on this planet. He's got things for you to do and things for you to accomplish. And, and, and can I tell you, the only way you're going to find that is when you get to that point where you say, Jesus, whatever you have for me, whatever you want for me. It may say, God, if, if you want me to stay in this job that I don't like, I'll stay if that's your plan for me. It's Learning to release to him every part of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not onto your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him. So it begins with a commitment to Christ. All right? The next thing I want you to concentrate on with me and to focus on with me this morning is this thought. What I do isn't as important as who I am. Being is more important than doing. I have an op we, we have some young ministers in our, in our congregation, and I'm so thankful that God has uh, raised up young men and to, to further their call. And whenever somebody comes to me and says, I, th I think I'm supposed to be a, a, a preacher, a pastor, a missionary, a, you just name it. I'm supposed to do this for God. I, I always make this statement. Don't concentrate so much on the doing. Concentrate on the being. Before you try to accomplish some great work for God, then become the man he wants you to be. Let him build in you Character and discipline and integrity. Let him build in you a reflection of his son Jesus. Then worry about the doing. And I'm going to tell us all the same thing. Before we worry about 
where we're supposed to live and where we're supposed to work and who we're supposed to marry and where we're supposed to go to college and how many children we're supposed to have and what house should I buy and what car should I buy. Before we worry about all the doing, let's concentrate on the being. Who am I supposed to be? What what is it in me, God, that needs to look more like you? I'm of the opinion that the more we look like Christ, the more we surrender our life to him, the more we concentrate on being like him, the clearer our path becomes. What I do for God, what I do with my life, my job, my career, my education, my family is a byproduct of being transformed by God. Let's not be consumed with the task God has for us. Let's be consumed with the person God wants us to become. So maybe it looks like this. Am I a pastor? Or am I trying to become a man after God's own heart? Am I a church leader? Or am I trying to become more like Christ? Not just in front of you, but when nobody's looking around. Is she a worship leader? Or is she a daughter of the Most High God who's called her and set her apart? Changed her. Redeemed her. There's a difference, isn't there? This may come as a surprise to you. But I can do the do part without being the be part. Happens all over. Happens all the time. Did that make sense the way I said that? I can do the do part without being the B part. But listen, if I really want to find purpose in my life, the B part's got to come first. I got to let God transform me from the inside out. And, and listen, that's not for pastors and leaders only. That's for, that, that's for everybody, for truck drivers. And, and, and whatever it is that you do for, I don't know why I called out truck drivers. That, that's for whatever your station in life finds you. The most important thing you can do is to become who God's called you to be. All right, write this down if you're taking notes. Never let your plans deter you from God's purpose. I, I just, just so I know who I'm talking to, have, have you ever made a plan and God changed it? Have you ever decided you were going to work somewhere or live somewhere or marry somebody and then God said, just, just, just completely made you go right turn? Just wave at me if I know that. If you know, wow, bunch, bunch of hands there. I told you my story about Becky Chandler. I was going to marry that girl. I was on a, hey, listen, how many know that when a 16-year-old gets his eyes set? Well, I, no, I was dating you when I was 16. Woo, back up a year or so. <laughs> Lucy about had some explaining to do. Um. I just knew that that was what was going to happen. And then God dropped 
this cute little braces wearing pale skin. And I forgot Becky's name. And that's a silly example, but I'm going to tell you that had I dug my heels in and said, nope, I got my eyes on this other prize, not, not that I wouldn't have had a good life, not that I wouldn't have had a wonderful family, but I would have missed on God's best. So what I'm telling you is don't get so caught up in the way you think life's supposed to go and the way you think tomorrow's supposed to go and the way you think next week's supposed to go and next year that you, that, that you miss out on what God has for you. And in fact, I probably gave you the wrong underlined words. Instead of underlining plan and purpose, I probably should have had you fill in your and God's. Don't let your plans interfere with God's purpose. Remember, back in week three, if you were here, I said that the pursuit of a godly life ends all other pursuits. Wouldn't you like to put all other pursuits away? Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. All right. Hey, you ought to write this down. You ought to fill in this blank. Stop ignoring the warning signs. Remember the warning signs we talked about last week? What are they called? When God says don't do something, we do it anyway. What's that called? What? Say that louder. Sin. So there's a, this, this passage in Proverbs is, is wow, it's, it hits right to the heart. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. See, I, I believe that God puts these warning signs, these, these guideposts around us on this journey to... To not just, you know, we, we have this, this idea that it's just about, well, our, our behavior, not, not doing what we want to do. And, and those guideposts, those road signs are there for two reasons, really. They're, they're to keep you from hurting yourself or hurting somebody else. Can we just play, you know, an example? One of those guideposts is we talked about sexual sin last week. God said not to commit adultery, right? So if... If I commit adultery, I'm not just hurting me, I'm hurting who? Well, that's what, look, look, would it bother you slightly? How about my children, would that mess with you a little bit? How about my church? Okay, so those, those, guard line, those guardrails, those road signs are there to keep me from hurting myself or, or somebody else. And they're there to get me to my destination. They're there to help me get where I'm supposed to go. And listen, this is going to come off judgmental, and I don't mean it that way. I'm going to try to say this with the love of God. There's a lot of people that like the idea of following Christ. There's a lot of people that like the idea of being a disciple. Of being a person of God. Of, there's a lot of people that like the idea. Well I'm going to. I'm going to let God straighten my life up. That like that idea. But never start traveling down that path. See. If, 
if you want to be a follower of Christ, then we've got to do what people who follow Christ do. We don't, we don't like things like discipline and devotion and crucifying our flesh, saying no to the things that we want to say no to. We don't like things like saying no to Facebook so I can spend time in God's Word. We don't like, you know, saying no to the latest whatever is on television to spend time in prayer. We like the idea of becoming a person of God, but, but our direction is leading us some other place. The steps that we're taking are leading us in a different path. Read a book not too, well, actually it's been a long time ago. It's called Principle of the Path. Actually, Matthew Robertson taught that class here one Wednesday night for a few weeks. Andy Stanley has a quote in that book that literally changed my just thinking. It says, direction, not intention, determines your destination. I can intend on going to Florida. But if I get on I-75 North, I ain't ever going to get there. Now that's funny. I can intend on following Christ. But if I don't pay attention to those warning signs, I don't pay attention to those guardrails. I don't do the things that he's called me to do. And I, 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 don't, I don't live the life of a disciple that I'm never going to get there. Now listen, you guys know me. I'm a grace fanatic. And I'm, I'm thankful for the grace and mercy of Christ. And there is nothing I can do to earn it. Nothing I can do to deserve it. But here's the deal. When Christ comes into my life, he's called me not to just... He doesn't want to just be my Savior. He wants to be my Lord. In other words, I need to listen to him and do what he says. And so, if, if your path has led you to a place that doesn't look like a follower of Christ, it's probably because you're on the wrong path. And your intention has nothing to do with it. Well, I didn't want to go here. Well, think about that. Now, we, God's blessed us with a, a very powerful ministry on Tuesday night, called, Tuesday night called New Life. It's dealing with folks that have struggled with addictions, struggled with families who are dealing with addictions. And God's blessing that ministry. But here's what, here's what any, anybody that's ever dealt with addiction would tell you. You don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, gee, I want to be a junkie today. But the choices we make and the path, that we, the path that we walk led us there. You with me? If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want the plan of God in your life, you've got to get on the right road. Does that make sense? You need to ask the right questions. Instead of what do I need to do, ask God, who do I need to be? Ask God, who do I need to be? Hey, listen, maybe you're here and, and, and you're, not, you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe this is, this is just a little out there for you, and, and I get it. And, I, you, you know, we, I believe 
At LifePoint, you're going to hear this phrase a lot. You belong here. I believe you belong here before you believe. So maybe this seems odd that I'm talking about surrender, complete surrender to, to, to this, this man Jesus, all of your hopes and dreams and plans. So let me tell you this. Don, Don and I have been doing this a little while. I've never, ever, ever heard someone say, man, I, I went all in for Christ. It was a bad idea. Never heard that said. I have heard this. Man, I put it off and put it off. I walked down the wrong path over and over and over and over again. And here's where I'm at now, and I desperately need him. So instead of asking, God, what do I need to do with my life? Instead of asking that question, why am I here? What do I need to do with my life? Ask this question. God, what would you have me do today? We talked about this on Wednesday nights. It's so easy to get caught off with what we, where we want to be in five years, in ten years, and, and you know, next week, next month, next year. What does God want you to do today? What, what chain does God need to break? Not next month, not next week, not next Tuesday night when you get to new life. What chain does God need to break in your life today? What resentment, what anger, what addiction, what frustration, what anxiety, what worry, what depression does God need to break? Not next week, not next month, today. This week's words to live by are this. Be more concerned with becoming someone than doing something. I promised you I was going to answer a question. So Donna's going to come and play and I'm going to answer your question. The question was, why am I here? Why, why are you here? Why am I here? Why are we here? Jesus gave us very clear instructions. We talked about this this past Wednesday night if you were here. And so maybe somebody just needs to hear this. Jesus was preparing. He's, he's literally days before giving his life on the cross. When I read you this passage that I'm going to read you. He's literally days away. To bearing the sin of the entire world on his, on his body. He's days away from going to the cross. He's days away from giving his life. His disciples are gathered around them. And don't you know that they were full of questions? Because he's, in no uncertain terms, told him, them that he was leaving. I'm going away. So if, if the man that you had followed for your teacher, your mentor for three years said, I'm going away. Would you be full of questions? Well, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's our life going to look like after you go away? Jesus looked at them and, 
and with what I can only believe was just a heart of love and compassion answered their question the same way I want to answer yours today. He said these words in John chapter 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You can't be fruitful unless you remain in me. In other words, you can't do the do unless you be the be. And and what he said the be was was to remain in me. He said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. In other words, If you stay here, if you remain in me, if you cling tightly to me, you'll become everything you were destined to become. He said, you're a branch, and you'll produce all the fruits you need to produce. You'll become everything you were destined to become if you'll cling tightly to me. If you'll hang on to me with everything in you, you'll become everything. Listen, I I would say it like this. If you'll cling tightly to Christ, if you'll remain in him, listen, listen, I'm not telling you not to go to school, not not to prepare for your career. I'm just telling you, before you worry about any of that, cling tightly to Jesus. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to get married. I'm just telling you before you do that, cling tightly to Jesus. Before you worry about who you're going to marry and where you're going to live and where you're going to work and, and, and all the other ifs of life, I'm telling you before you worry about any of that, to cling to Jesus. Well, Dwayne, you understand what I'm walking through right now. And Man, my heart, some of you are going through difficult circumstances right now. Some of them I don't know anything about. And my heart breaks for you. And I want to give you the right words. And I'd like to give you the right advice about your, your, your marriage and your relationship and your job and your career and all that other stuff of life. But I could just sum it up in saying, listen, in this moment, right now, with whatever you're going through, just cling tightly to Jesus. Doesn't mean there won't be difficult moments ahead. But listen, you'll know why you're here. You'll become what you were destined to become before the foundations of the world. Will you pray with me? Nobody's looking around. Hey, how many of you would say, Pastor Dwayne, I've been so concerned with what I'm supposed to do that I've not really been who I'm supposed to be. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Just just your hands in the air. God bless you. Bless you. Amen. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor Wayne, I'm I'm not a Christ follower. Uh, I'm not living for, for God. I'm not living for Christ. He's not the Lord of my life. But today I want him to be. I always stop, regardless of what I'm praying for, and try to try to just give you this little roadmap. Listen, we've, we've made this 
Jesus thing so complicated. We've made it about joining churches and, uh, and following rules. We've made it about, you know, doctrine. And, and it, Don't get me wrong, there's, there's time and place for all that. That's not what I need you to be concerned about right now. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. If you'll believe, you can have everlasting life. And it can start, oh, by the way, right now. I believe that with every fiber of my being. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we pray, if you're here and you, you want to become a Christ follower today, you want to make that choice to, for God to be Lord of your life. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray a simple prayer. As I'm praying for all these others that raise their hands, here's how I want you to pray. God, I need, you said, listen, I don't, it's, it's so, it's, it, I, I don't want to overcomplicate it. God, I need you. I believe in you. I need you in my life. Forgive me. I want to live for you. Now, however you, want to, however you want to phrase that in your own words, God, I need you in my life. Jesus, I believe you are everything you said you were. I need your forgiveness. Now lead me. Let's pray today. Father, I sense your presence here not because you showed up, but because your presence is always. There is no place I can run from your spirit. So God, I thank you that you have made us keenly aware of your presence here today. Some of us, some of us have uh, confessed that there are parts of our life where we're so concerned about doing that we forgot about being the person you called us to be. So God, I, I pray that right now, and, and this is for Dwayne as well as these others, God, help us to put you first, to seek you first, to, to, to concentrate on becoming the man, the woman that you've called us to be. And we realize that, that when we'll do that, all the other pursuits will fall into place. For those today that might be making a choice to follow you with the rest of their life, God, I pray, God, as they leave this place today, they'd be well aware of the work that you've done in their heart, that the cross of Christ is enough to forgive us of our sins and to give us new direction in this life, and eternal life can begin right now. And for that, oh God, we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, our ushers are going to serve you. We're going to participate in communion this morning. Just so you know, what this is all about is Christ commanded us to celebrate and remember the work of, of the cross on Calvary. And so what we do is we, we take bread and juice that signifies the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And when we God, you can go ahead and start serving, guys. Um, when we receive these communion, 
these elements, these, the, the bread and the juice, we remember the work of the cross. Now, you don't have to participate in this if you choose not to. But we're offering it to you if you would like to participate with us as we celebrate and remember the work of the cross. Our ushers are serving you now. says on the night he was betrayed Jesus took bread he broke it and he blessed it and he told his disciples every time you do this do it to remember me what I've done so we take this bread we remember the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ that he took a cup and he said this cup represents my blood that I'm going to shed for the remission of sin so when we take this cup we remember that Jesus shed his blood so you and I can know forgiveness forgiveness 
in your own way, would you just thank God for the gift of His Son. Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, His broken body and His shed blood. And today, we give you praise for the work of the cross. In Jesus' name.